0: Getty getting an early start on their Super Bowl preparations, but filling in in the meantime as the gents will be back on Monday. It's the one and only John Phillips. This is true. It's me, John Phillips, on loan from Talk
1: Radio 790 KABC in Los Angeles, where you can listen to me each weekday from noon until 3 o'clock in the afternoon on AM 790 on your AM band if you're in Southern California. If you're not, you can get me at kabc.com and read me in the pages of the Orange County Register and the LA Daily News. Honored to be sitting in for Armstrong and Getty. I think they're out today because they're they're getting the the barbecue ready. They're getting the smoker all set up for Super Bowl Sunday. Because sometimes a positive, Sean. That takes a little prep time.
0: Oh, and Joe is a scientist when it comes to the smoker. He needs to get the the wood pellets just right for it to go. He has the precision of a surgeon, I'm told.
1: Indeed, absolutely. All right. Well, it is a pleasure and an honor to welcome our next guest to the program. She is a medical doctor, a former member of Congress representing the state of New York. Who you can follow on Twitter at Nan Hayworth, Doctor Nan Hayworth. Welcome.
2: Oh, it is an absolute privilege, John Phillips. So glad to be with you.
1: Now, what is your go-to Super Bowl food that you can't live without?
2: (laughs) Oh, gosh. These days, John, uh, you know what? I'll tell you what I have an addiction to other than C's candies, which, of course, we talked about C's chocolates, uh, is um, I, I like crunchy Cheetos.
1: Oh, those are very good.
2: Mhm. Yes, very very good. I would uh, yeah, I would walk across hot coals for a bag of crunchy
1: <laughs> cheetos
2: even if it's only the snack size.
1: Yes. Well, I have to have the snack size bags around because it doesn't matter how big the bag is, I'll eat every single one of those cheetos in it.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, as will i and of course at at the age of 61, I'm I'm doing the low carb thing, so It's like a a once-a-year treat, don't ask.
1: Well, it's Super Bowl Sunday, so you can have your treat this Sunday.
2: (laughs) I'm rooting on Tom Brady.
1: Well, let's talk a little COVID because there has been a war over whether or not schools should be closed or open in this country. And flip-flop Fauci has been on both sides of it, initially saying that schools had to be closed because of the science. Mm -hmm. And now his position Mm -hmm. is schools have to be open. Because of the science?
2: Because science. Mm -hmm.
1: There's a headline in the New York Post today that says, CDC head, there's data that it's safe to open schools. White House, we're going to wait. Headline, Joe gets an F. And a big picture of President Joe Biden. There's a war going on in San Francisco, of all places, between the city and the school district as to whether or not the schools should be open Let's listen to a rap from Claudia Cowan from the Fox News Channel.
3: It's been nearly 11 months since kids in San Francisco, along with millions of others across the nation, started learning remotely. But while many other districts and even the city's private schools have resumed in-person classes, public schools here remain closed, even though the city's own health department says they could reopen safely with proper precautions. Nothing matters more than getting our kids back in school. With support from the Democratic mayor, the city is now suing the school district in a first of its consequences lawsuit in california
1: we're asking the court to order the school board and the school district to put in place a plan a viable plan to reopen safely
3: the city attorney calls the district's current plan quote ambiguous empty rhetoric
4: we absolutely have a comprehensive plan and uh, this plan has specific steps around health and safety
2: we understand that this is painful and we all want to get back but this is an embarrassing day for san francisco
1: And Claudia Cowan also says the vaccines and the battle with the unions is also a sticky point. Let's listen.
3: There's also the issue of vaccinating teachers, which the Biden administration says is not necessary to safely open schools. But vaccines have been a sticking point with unions, not just in California, but in Virginia the city of Portland, and in the nation's third largest district, Chicago, where union leaders blocked teachers from heading back to classrooms earlier this week. The city's mayor says she will lock teachers out of remote learning if the union fails to continue negotiating a plan to reopen. We are failing those children by not giving them the option to return to school. Dr.
1: Hayworth, at this point, given all that we know, is there any reasonable argument to keep the K-12 through school system closed from on-campus instruction?
2: No. No, there is none, John. And, of course, you and I uh, are good friends, and we've been talking about this uh, on the airwaves for months and months and months. Uh, what is the key difference? What is the rate-limiting factor here? Teachers' unions. Teachers unions, that's it. And the fact that teachers unions can obstruct uh, primarily because they have big political agendas and they have, you know, what what heretofore has been uh, a a headlock on the Democrat Party. Uh, But the other key factor, of course, is that teachers uh, in these unions continue to be paid. And the public is paying them, paying them through teachers unions, not to do their jobs as every scientific piece of evidence, every expert. And now leading Democrat politicians who are finally beginning to wake up to the fact that they actually have responsibilities to their constituents that go beyond uh, you know, pleasing the public sector unions. Uh, you know, everybody is saying it, but they are adamantine. And unless you have something like a Ronald Reagan moment, uh, when he fired PATCO, you know, when he you know, decertified them uh, in 1980 uh, it, with the uh, when when the air traffic controllers went on strike, you know, unless you have a moment like that, unless Joe Biden grows enough fortitude to do something like that, they are going to keep doing this.
1: Thank you, by the way, for saying Joe Biden needs to grow fortitude. This is a family-friendly show.
2: Indeed. And fortitude has many forms. Yes. I mean, in his heart and mind, of course.
1: Oh, believe me, I knew the impulse was there. Now,
2: yes, yes, thank you.
1: Is this one of these situations where you think the unions are out of step with their own membership? Because I get calls every day from teachers who say, this doing class work over the computer is not working for me it's not working for the students i want to be back on campus but the powers that be won't let me do it right does there need to be a movement within the ranks of the teachers unions where rank and file teachers say enough is enough stop trying to exploit this for political gain let's try to get on-campus instruction going as fast as
2: possible Absolutely, John, and that's why I'm always careful to assail the teachers' unions, not the teachers. This is the teachers' unions, and the teachers' unions are run. We know this from their pronouncements, uh, from their from the, their leaders, and the way they speak. Uh, you know, at, at the national and the uh, municipal and local levels, uh, that that I know teachers too, and have for years who who love their students, who want to do the right thing, who long before COVID felt that teachers' unions had far too strong a tendency uh, to hold families and students hostage uh, in order to uh, promote the interests of the union. And again, because they're very powerful in Democrat politics. You know, they've commanded a lot of money, you know, because teachers union dues, these teachers have to pay dues to the unions. There's been litigation, including in the state of New York, uh, you know, the the Janus lawsuit uh, to uh, to decouple dues from political activity. Uh, But, you know, this is about power. This is about power. And it's about Democrat power and and this this is just this is a soul-searching moment for the democrat party do you actually care about people as you purport to do or do you only care about your power and the actions of the teachers unions will tell you everything you need to know about that
1: in a prior conversation that we had i asked you if pediatricians need to start getting more activist about this to get their patients back in the classroom you said yes since yeah. then, pediatricians have been very vocal about letting their opinions be heard that students should absolutely be back on campus. They are now on the same page as the CDC, who's starting to get vocal about it, too. How at this yeah. point can teachers unions make the argument that the science def- defends their position as opposed to the pediatricians in the CDC?
2: Well they they can't uh they can't but they will they will insist as long as they are getting paid. You know so so they will continue we we know where they stand on this. Now it, it, they, I hope that their membership will uh, you know that the teachers who are members will be able to be more aggressive about speaking out. But but these these union you know it, it, public sector union types are not nice guys you know they're no pushovers you know they're 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 playing for for keeps so there's a lot of you know why have the teachers whom I've known and loved for for decades and many of them I've known through my children when they were in public school uh, you know why have they been afraid to speak out because the unions the union leaders are vicious. They've got a lot of power on the line because when you disempower the teachers' unions, you're disempowering them, and they have an agenda, and it's not to help the kids. So it's the more of us who speak up, the better, John. That's the only way things get done. Uh, Momentum is on the side of those who are opposing the teachers' unions. That's all we can do.
1: In the state of California vaccinations have not been offered to every nursing home resident in the state yet. The mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti, says it's going to be June before vaccinations are offered to every Californian 65 years of age or older. It was also just announced that at Long Beach State, every professor and every student is going to have to be vaccinated before on-campus instruction begins again. On what planet is it smarter to vaccinate professors and college students before you vaccinate elderly people, particularly those who live in nursing homes?
2: Yeah, well, Planet Teachers Union, that's it. The, the education government complex uh, has accumulated and been granted uh, or exceeded uh, enormous power. Uh, over our economy uh, over the lives obviously of 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 kids and families and young people uh, so the fact that they were able to shove themselves to the front of the line when demographically they don't belong there now now that that's on the government of the state of california that's on Uh, warden newsom and of course that's one of the major reasons he's being recalled or you know the recall movement is on and they've got almost enough signatures to to make it happen uh you know because because democrat politicians in particular have capitulated to these demands and the public uh again should be outraged that uh, there there is a, you know, if if a if an instructor has a specific medical condition and there are some that warrant vaccination in order to feel safe uh being in the presence of other people who may not have been vaccinated uh then then that's fine but not as as a category and not when you're denying you know in particular when you're denying thereby vaccines to people who are at mortal risk relative to you
1: for what it's worth, if I recall correctly, when I was an undergraduate student in political science at Cal State Fullerton, there were thirteen full time male faculty members in the department. Ten of them were married to former students. If they're getting the virus at work, it's not at the lecture hall
2: yeah <laughs> well yes exactly no it, 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 I, it i i I agree with you on that as well uh john this is we are what, one thing covid is doing among uh, among its many devastating consequences but one of the things it is managing to do is to expose the hypocrisies uh the exploitation the parasitic nature of the education government complex and it extends far beyond covid uh so you know this there there may be we may be witnessing Uh, you know, a a breach of faith that will make people question the entire arrangement, as they should.
1: Dr. Nan Hayworth, thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful Super Bowl Sunday, and enjoy those Cheetos.
2: And my cheese chocolates, Jen. Thank you. That, too.
1: And don't forget to follow Dr. Hayworth on Twitter at Nan Hayworth. It's John Phillips in for Armstrong and Getty. More coming up. Don't go anywhere.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
3: The Armstrong and Getty
2: Show. it's John
1: Phillips on loan from Talk Radio 790 KABC in Los Angeles on the eve to Super Bowl eve. And positive, Sean, one of the things that Jimmy Kimmel does when he's not making ad hominem attacks on Republicans is he likes to do a segment called Mean Tweets, where he takes a look at the sewage plant that is the Internet and he takes some of the nasty tweets, has the person read tweets that are nastily written about themselves, And it's a bit. He he did it this week with Tom Brady, the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's go ahead and listen. Tom Brady seems like the kind of man who doesn't know how to use a wrench. It's kind of true. Can we be real for a moment? Is there really anyone you'd rather see dropped in a vat of rendered bacon fat than Tom Brady? (laughs) Hope everyone has a great Monday, except for Tom Brady you Tom Brady (laughs) I hate Tom Brady so much but I have no legit reason to he's a nice guy but I hope they break his leg
4: (laughs) you Tom Brady I hope your dog eats chocolate and gets really sick and throws up on your sock that's (laughs)
1: that
0: was the line with him you bring in the dogs and he gets serious
1: oh yeah well that's a below the belt shot you know, at one point in time, I was a Republican political analyst on CNN, and every time I'd go on the air and argue my points, uh, I would get some, some tweets that were along those lines, if <laughs> I can tell you.
0: <laughs> ah, the Internet, such a, such a warm and, and just welcoming place. After a while, you just get used to
1: it. It becomes white noise. The Super Bowl's a couple of days away. How can we not be happy? Anyway, much more coming up, including KABC legal analyst Royal Oaks. It's John Phillips in for Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty.
0: strong and getty show jack and joe taking a a well-deserved day off they will be back in full force on monday with you until then we are being taken care of by the powerful john phillips i don't know if i'd call myself
1: powerful
0: i still have to wait in line at the dmv
1: if i was powerful let me tell you there'd be an express lane for yours truly It's John Phillips, on Loan from Talk Radio 790 KABC in Los Angeles. You can listen to me weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 790 on your AM radio band or globally at KABC.com. You can read my columns in the LA Daily News in the Orange County Register. Happy to be filling in for Armstrong and Getty today, but they will be back on Monday. All right, it is a pleasure to welcome our next guest to the program, He is the KABC Legal Analyst and the host of the Too Many Lawyers podcast, which you can download wherever you download your favorite podcasts, Royal Oaks. Royal, welcome.
4: Hey, thanks, John. Nice to talk to you.
1: Now, Royal, you and I have been to many Major League Baseball games together, and you're always restrained when it comes to the ballpark fair. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. I want to know what you're going to hit first as soon as the food comes out.
4: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a pretty straightforward guy. You know, the dips and the chips uh, appeal to me. The guacamole is great. Uh, there is something about ballpark food, though. The Angel Stadium does a great job. They have a wonderful restaurant there. But actually, from my childhood growing up, you know, in Los Angeles in the San Fernando Valley, there's nothing like a Dodger dog, John. The, the secret I heard was that they use beer when they're making uh, the Dodger dogs, which, you know, Probably would offend teetotalers in the stands, but uh, there's nothing like a Dodger dog. So uh, maybe some folks will be uh, cooking those up on Sunday.
1: Absolutely. So much to talk about, Royal. Let's start with the brand-new district attorney, the George Soros-installed district attorney in Los Angeles County, George Gascon, who is no longer sending representatives from his office to parole hearings, including for parole hearings regarding the Manson family, can you ever, in your wildest dreams, envision a scenario where the L.A. County District Attorney's Office is indifferent as to whether or not the Manson family is released from prison?
4: Incredible by this district attorney. And you just have to ask yourself, I mean, you talk about tone deaf and ignoring the optics. I get that there's progressive viewpoint regarding the criminal justice system. And a lot of people sincerely believe that there's racism out there. There's mass incarceration. We need reforms. Uh, Deal with those issues. But for this district attorney to come in and do things that virtually nobody would say, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Virtually everybody says, are you insane? Somebody's coming up for parole. And and Fox News the other day had a, a list of three or four people with just horrendous crimes. And the rule is the prosecutors are not in the room. They may not have any input. They they may not try to set forth the public's viewpoint that, hey, judge, this might be a bad idea to release these people. I mean, give me a break. This is totally insane. It's It's kind of like a progressive who says, oh, yippee, you know, we, we, we control all the branches of the government now. And instead of kind of staying under the radar and, and gradually implementing their dramatic reforms, they start right out by saying, we're going to defund the police and we're going to open borders and so on. I mean, this new DA in L.A. is essentially inviting what Governor Newsom is going through, namely uh, a recall. And they've already started recall steps. I mean, for him to be so tone deaf about the effect of what he's doing, is so anti-public safety and so pro let's release people i mean give me a break he's putting victims at risk he's taking the prosecutors out of the mix so you know i just i don't understand you know where his ideas are coming from or who could be advising because i mean this guy could find himself very soon out of a job even in a very blue state like california and a blue area like la county
1: now california has kind of a weird setup when it comes to county government the lada's office like all other county district attorney's offices and sheriff's departments get their budget from the county board of supervisors five independently elected supervisors from five different districts and they're known as the kings of their district the kings of los angeles county however the district attorney george gascon And the sheriff of Los Angeles County, Alex Villanueva, are independently elected. So while they're dependent on their budgets from the Board of Supervisors, the Board of Supervisors can't hire and fire them. The people of the county elect them or throw them out of office. The sheriff in Los Angeles County, Alex Villanueva, is furious with the district attorney, George Gascon, for not participating in these parole hearings and has announced that he will send representatives from the LA County Sheriff's Department offices to these various parole hearings. Could you ever think of any situation in California history where you've seen a district attorney and a sheriff at this, at, 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 at war with one another at this level?
4: No, it's just such a weird situation. I think you're right. I think it is unprecedented. It, in a way, uh, an analogy that comes to mind is the craziness that's going back on, and on in Washington right now. Impeachment is inherently a blendo of legal stuff and also of political issues. Well, here, as you point out, you've got these you know strong figures in l a county independently elected by the people the the sheriff and the uh, the district attorney, so who's the Board of Supervisors to really try to rein them in well, as you say, the Board of Supervisors are not potted plants; they control the budget and there's been a feud between the Board of Supervisors and the sheriff in l a county for some time now, but you know the old saying the enemy enemy of my enemy is my friend." Now, many members of the board, really, are supporting the sheriff in pushing back against the district attorney. So it's a very weird situation, but I think the bottom line is that you're just looking at such common-sense issues. As I say, reform the system all you want. The district attorney is saying, well, we shouldn't have gang enhancements. You shouldn't have an enhancement uh, of your sentence if you have a gun and so on. Well, okay, let's have a healthy uh, uh, debate over that. But there can be no healthy debate over allowing prosecutors, uh, district attorneys, to be involved in the process of whether really dangerous criminals should be let out. Of course, some people should be let out at some point, but to cut the the key players out of that mix, is totally idiotic, and uh, I mean, I I think you're just going to see a huge backlash by the voters. Let's shift
1: gears for a second and talk about Congressman Adam Schiff. He represents... Uh, Burbank, uh, Hollywood, that part of Los Angeles. He's very powerful in the House of Representatives at the Judiciary Committee and certainly made a name for himself during the Russia collusion hoax investigation and the subsequent impeachment of President Trump. He is now looking for an escape hatch from his seat in Congress now that there is a vacancy in California in the Attorney General Office. The incumbent California Attorney General, Javier Becerra, was nominated by President Biden to be Secretary of Health and Human Services, creating a vacancy in that office. It's been reported in the press that Schiff is lobbying hard for that job, and he's installed Nancy Pelosi to go to her relative, Gavin Newsom, and push for Adam Schiff to get that appointment. What do you make of that?
4: Well, this is a clear st- stepping stone to higher office when you go from Congress, which you know you can be very high profile, and he's just about done as much as he can do in terms of his profile as a member of 435 people in Congress. To move to attorney general in, in a state like California, y- y- in really any state, you, that puts you knocking on the door of the governor's mansion uh governor duke majin years ago in california took that route but also he could wind up in the united states senate because a lot of folks are wondering gee when diane feinstein will be i think her early 90s in a few years when her latest term ends up he he wants to position himself to take uh, that that role as well so i think you're going to see some fighting within the democratic democratic party as to whether we really want to anoint Schiff as the new face and of course Newsom uh, is probably uh, warily looking at him. But I think the bottom line on Schiff is he's become, as you say, so high profile. I mean, what more can you do as a member of the House of Representatives than be on national television constantly as the face of the loyal opposition trying to, trying to uh, uh, bring about the conviction of Donald Trump? So, yeah, I think that's his next step and he obviously is a very ambitious guy. Uh, He probably has his eyes someday maybe on the White House.
1: I'll tell you what else I think it is. He must be of the belief that if Feinstein retires or dies in office and creates a vacancy in the U.S. Senate, that Newsom will not appoint him. But if he switches jobs and becomes attorney general and is a statewide elected and is able to make the papers in California every day, that puts him in a much better position to run for that U.S. Senate seat if Feinstein is able to hang on until her term expires.
4: I think that makes sense. Uh, I think he's considering all his options in that way. And also, uh, you have to be realistic about the, the role that race plays in politics in California, but also uh, with the, in the United States in general. Uh, Governor Newsom took a lot of heat recently uh, when he appointed to the, uh, to the Senate seat to replace Kamala Harris. Uh, a latino instead of a a black californian because people said hey kamala harris should be replaced by a black californian that was a, a huge controversy and then uh, the governor newsom turned around and made some key appointments of black people in california so where does that leave adam schiff adam schiff i think is on the outside looking in in terms of that dynamic and so as you say he may be looking at all his options to to try to uh, uh, jumpstart his career, either uh, go through the governor's mansion or the U.S. Senate.
1: Let's talk impeachment for a second, because Democrats were up against the clock as to how long it would take the trial to take place or the, the vote to take place in the House of Representatives, and they fast-tracked everything. They didn't go through the normal protocols. They just wanted it to be a trial or a, uh, a hearing that lasted for just a very short period of time. They crammed it through, sent it to the U.S. Senate. As someone who spent his life practicing law, does that ever happen where a judge says, uh, we're in a hurry, we got to get done by a certain date, let's speed this up, and let's not go through the normal protocols? Or are people usually uh, given more due process than that?
4: Absolutely never happens. The one thing that you can always count on when you are in litigation is the judge is going to be extremely sensitive to the idea that everybody is entitled to a full and fair hearing, plenty of time, extend deadlines as appropriate. At, At some point, the judges will run out of patience. But this is one of the arguments that Trump is able to make, that things were rushed on the impeachment front. And also, when Trump filed his brief two or three days ago, he made the specific point that, you know, we're really being rushed to get ready for this trial. He really didn't have his lawyers lined up. And now the question is, what is the rush? Why does a trial have to start next week as opposed to a few weeks or even months down the road? So, yeah, due process is a key element in any kind of civil or criminal court system uh, arrangement. But, of course, this gets back to the point about how it's a real blend. It's political and legal, and everybody kind of knows how this is going to turn out, whether they spend weeks or months getting ready for this. Almost certainly every Democrat will vote to convict Donald Trump, and All but maybe five to ten Republicans will vote against the conviction. And as a result, it's all kind of moot. It's all theater. And the Democrats want to be able, during the election cycles, to say, aha, remember this Republican. He or she refused to vote to convict Donald Trump, and therefore you ought to vote for us.
1: If you're Joe Biden, how frustrated are you with this? Because he told Pelosi and he told Schumer not to do this. They went ahead and did it anyway. And now instead of everyone talking about Joe Biden and his policy initiatives, everyone is still talking about Donald Trump.
4: Yeah, I would think that Biden would be extremely frustrated because of the pressure that almost certainly it hits him every single day to push the, the hard left progressive agenda. I mean, it, it takes a lot, I think, to stand up to that, because when you've got an entire sort of staff infrastructure every day getting up a good morning, Mr. President, uh, here's what's on the agenda today. And if he sees, oh, defund the police and open borders and the Green New Deal and, and Medicare for all. Uh, lurking there on the agenda and he doesn't really like that or he doesn't think that's in his best interest i mean it's got to be a struggle to be constantly pushing back against that and and so yeah for for pelosi and schumer to sort of run their own show it's got to be frustrating for him uh, in a way maybe his attitude is well i want to look like i'm a bipartisan guy you know i'm not the guy that's pushing the impeachment you know i i'm i'm above that Maybe he secretly likes it in a way, but I think your instinct is right. I think he's got to be very frustrated and angry that people aren't just following his lead. I mean, he's the commander in chief.
1: And part of this is stylistic. I mean, Joe Biden was elected to the U S Senate when he was in his twenties. And he's one of these good old boys. He's one of these guys that was pals with Strom Thurmond and uh, Robert Byrd and uh, Ted Kennedy, the old guard. He could get along with all of those guys and cut deals in the back room And my guess is he thought if he just let Pelosi and Schumer know that he didn't want him to do it, that they would pay attention to it. When the reality is, if he really didn't want him to do it, he should have been saying it publicly and putting pressure on him.
4: No, you're right. I think that that goes to the heart of the whole situation with Biden. He is a creature of compromise. That's how he has made his career he has been you know working hands across the aisle with these folks that's his been his whole life he's now in a situation where he has a, a democrat party that is saying to him i don't want to talk about any kind of compromise joe if you didn't notice, we run the House and we run the Senate and we run the White House. That means we do anything we want for two years, like Obama had the opportunity to do. And that's how he got Obamacare, because without a single Republican vote, they were able to, to push that through. And Biden's attitude is, well, no, wait a minute. You know, what? this is what I do best, is to compromise. And they're saying, there's no compromise necessary. Just leave it to us. Just relax, and we will set your agenda. So I think there's more kind of internal uh, tension and dissension in the White house than people even suspect
1: royal oaks kabc legal analyst host of the too many lawyers podcast which you can download wherever you download your favorite podcast thanks so much for stopping by and enjoy your super bowl sunday
4: Thanks, you betcha
1: it's john phillips in for armstrong and getty more coming up in moments don't go anywhere
3: armstrong
1: It's John Phillips in for Armstrong and Getty. If you want to catch me later on today, I'll be on Talk Radio 790 KABC between noon and 3 p.m. Pacific as I am each weekday. You can also read me in the pages of the Orange County Register and the L.A. Daily News. All right, positive, Sean. You're 0 for 3 so far with your Super Bowl trivia. I'm picking myself up back off the mat. Oh, come on. You have an opportunity to redeem yourself with the next question all right it all comes down to this if this is the last one all right here you go do players on both the winning and losing super bowl teams get paid a bonus for playing in the game uh
0: yes you are correct nice winner You have got one right. (laughs) Look at that trend line. It's heading up, baby.
1: (laughs) According to the NFL, each player on the winning Super Bowl team will score $130,000, and the losers will reportedly receive $65,000. So there is a winner's purse, but both teams, all players, get paid a bonus.
0: Uh, in other sports that seems less uh well the, the NFL notoriously not of the guaranteed contracts sort so i like the i like the fact when nfl players get a little extra cash in their pocket because they are uh, colliding into each other at high rates of speed for our amusement and enjoyment i wonder where the biggest difference is in checks i bet you it's boxing uh, that's gotta be up there. Any, like any sort of Floyd Mayweather fight, the, yeah, he's making probably easily 3x, maybe 4x of what his opponents are. Well, that's before the match even happens. They get paid different amounts oh, of money, right, but I'm right, talking right.
1: about after the match is over. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you the differences are bigger in boxing than they are in football or basketball or baseball or hockey. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So the Super Bowl is this Sunday ratings have been down throughout the season. How well do you think ratings are going to do this year?
0: Uh, So ratings, ratings have been down throughout the season, but not as much as other television has been down. And the championship weekend, the ratings were actually up over the previous year. I think there may be an uptick in viewership this year. All right. Well, you'll be watching it. I'll be watching it. Everyone,
1: have a wonderful Super Bowl weekend. Special thanks to Armstrong and Getty for allowing me to sit in for them. See you soon.